Aortic stenosis is a progressive disease affecting more than 2.5 million people over the age of 75 in the United States. Treatment includes open-heart surgery. However, the transcatheter aortic valve replacement, or TAVR procedure, offers hope for high-risk individuals. And here to talk with us about the TAVR procedure is Dr. Kendra J. Grubb, Surgical Director, Emory Structural Heart and Valve Center at Emory HealthCare. Another in the podcast series, Advancing Your Health with Emory Healthcare. Here's Bill Klaproth. Dr. Grubb, thank you for your time. First off, what is aortic stenosis? Aortic stenosis is tightening of the main outflow valve of the heart. Um, There are four valves in the heart that divide the various chambers, and the aortic valve is the last valve that has to open for the blood to leave the big pumping chamber on the left side of the heart and go out throughout the entire body. And because of aging or previous disease or sometimes because people are born with an abnormal valve, the valve can become stenotic or tight over time. And that's aortic stenosis. And how common is this? Well, it's, it's more common as we age. Uh, it is a disease that of the elderly, uh, oftentimes, as mentioned, There are patients who are born with only two leaflets or bicuspids, and those patients are going to be seen, um, those patients are going to develop symptoms when they're in their 40s or 50s, but the majority of patients are going to be in their 70s or 80s by the time they have aortic stenosis. And how would someone know if they have this, and how do you diagnose it? Well, the diagnosis often happens in the doctor's office, when you listen to someone's chest with a stethoscope, you'll hear a murmur. And that murmur is the, uh, the flow disturbance across the stenotic valve. And so if you can think about if you put your thumb over the end of a garden hose and it shoots the water out and it makes a sound, it's the same concept. The main outflow valve of the heart is supposed to open uh, big and wide, about two and a half centimeters, allow the blood to exit, and it makes very little sound. And as that opening narrows, then there's a sound that comes across that. If a doctor was to hear a murmur, the next step would be to do an ultrasound or echocardiogram, and that would then allow us to see the valve itself. But in terms of the patient, what would they experience? Oftentimes, patients develop um, shortness of breath or shortness of air when they try to Um, exert themselves, what we call dyspnea on exertion. So a patient tries to climb a flight of stairs, they could do it a few months ago, and now they notice that they have to stop. Now that's a sign of congestive heart failure. Also swelling in the legs is also a sign of congestive heart failure. And some patients will develop swelling um, because their heart's not efficient. Other symptoms include pain in the chest or what we call angina. And some patients will have dizziness or, or frank syncope but they actually have passing out spells because there's not enough blood flow coming out of the heart and to the brain. So you said a lot of times this is picked up in the doctor's office. So when the doctor is listening to our chest with the stethoscope, that's generally you're listening for heart function, not only lung function, but heart function too. Is that right? That's right. So oftentimes, you know, we do listen to the lungs, make sure that the there's no extra sounds in the lungs, such as wheezing or uh, diminished sounds that would suggest there was fluid on the lungs. But uh, certainly with the four valves in the heart, primary care physicians, cardiologists, and many doctors will be listening for a murmur. 
So let's talk about the TAVR procedure. Who is a good candidate then for somebody who has aortic stenosis? Well, the TAVR procedure has evolved uh, quite a bit over the last few years. Initially, the uh, TAVR, the transcatheter aortic valve replacement devices, were FDA approved for patients who were too sick and too old for open heart surgery. They call those patients high risk or inoperable. And those initial trials, which were started in 2007, resulted in the devices being FDA approved. Well, the patients actually responded so well to the therapy that the FDA then allowed for us to look at an intermediate risk group of patients. And now those patients also can receive a commercially available, meaning FDA approved, TAVR valve if they meet criteria. Interestingly, we are just finishing up trials in low-risk patients um, so that we can answer the question, do low-risk patients do as well with open-heart surgery or the transcatheter valve? I certainly foresee a time when any patient that has aortic stenosis could potentially be treated with a transcatheter valve. And low-risk patients would probably still have the choice for open-heart surgery if they had other pathology or if there was some other reason that a traditional surgical approach would be better for them. So the valve that you insert is different for open-heart procedure and the TAVR procedure. It's two different valves. That's what it sounds like? That's, that's correct. So the open-heart surgery valve is literally hand-sewn. So the patient's own valve is um, excised or cut out, um, and all the calcium where the valve has degenerated is debrided, um, and we remove all of that, and then we hand-sew a valve in place. Of course, that's an invasive procedure. It requires general anesthesia, so the patient's on the breathing tube. It requires the heart-lung machine. The heart is stopped during that procedure. And the patient spends four or five days in the hospital and has about six weeks of downtime. And that's kind of the traditional approach that we've been doing for many, many years. The TAVR valves are based on the same technology where you take a, um, a valve made of animal material, either the sac around a pig's heart or the sac around a cow's heart, the pericardium, and it's made into a valve. And there are two separate valves that are commercially available. One of them is blown up on a balloon. Um, and the other one is made of a memory metal that when you put it in place, once it interacts with the warm blood, it expands on its own. And those two valves are, are available to patients now. But the technology behind them is very similar to the open-heart surgery valve. The difference is we don't cut out the patient's old valve. We put the new valve inside and crush the old valve to the side, and the new valve folds on by radial force and friction. That is just amazing. And I know you said this is fairly new technology as of 2007, but the Structural Heart and Valve Program at Emory Healthcare was one of the first in the nation to study and offer the TAVR treatment procedure. That's quite an achievement, Dr. Grubb. Yeah, Emory was very early in the trials. Um, they you know, had a very uh, robust history in valvular heart disease. We talk about structural heart now, and we often talk about transcatheter therapies, but structural heart just means any of the valves or walls of the heart that are not including the coronary arteries, the arteries that bring blood flow to the heart muscle. And because of Emory's rich history and understanding in valvular heart disease and structural heart disease, when it came available to be part of the early trials 
for devices that could potentially offer high-risk and inoperable patients a, an operation to fix their valves that we were otherwise unable to offer or, and patients who were unable to help, of course, Emory wanted to be on the cutting edge of, of that technology. And we've continued to do so with uh, the newer devices um, and newer um, uh, adjunct technologies to go along with PAVR. And over 2,500 patients have received this groundbreaking therapy at Emory Healthcare, more than any other provider in the Southeast. Again, quite an achievement. If you could wrap this up for us, Dr. Grubb, what else do we need to know about the TAVR procedure? Well, I, I think that the biggest thing to remember is to be uh, talking to your doctor about your heart every time you go, asking do you hear a murmur, and if you develop symptoms, to come to a structural heart and valve center that has the new technology to offer. Um, I think that there are many patients out there who aren't being treated, and our studies have shown that there's a large portion of, of the population that really could be helped with this technology, and it's never they're never making it to the doctor. They're never making it to a heart center where they can be helped. And so talk to your doctor. Absolutely great advice. And Dr. Grubb, thank you so much for the great information as always. And if you want to learn more, please visit emoryhealthcare.org slash heart. That's emoryhealthcare.org slash heart. You're listening to Advancing Your Health with Emory Healthcare. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.